Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Well, I want to invite you to turn to 2 Samuel. Again, this evening, 2 Samuel chapter 15. Our passage this evening runs all the way through to chapter 16, verse 14. So I'm going to, <coughs> I'm going to read it in two, two stages, the, the, the passage that we had last week. And then a little bit later, I'll read chapter 16. This might seem like a long passage. It might seem like a complicated passage, but I want to give you just a couple of handles as we begin to look at it. All you have in front of you this evening as we read are six different encounters with the king. Six different encounters with King David. Last week was the big picture. We saw the darkest of days for the king, and we'll come back to that as we come to the Lord's table together. But who does David meet along the way? These stories that we're about to see, these individuals, are here to teach us that the king speaks to people in all their individual need and diversity. The the, the king always meets people where they are, people who are weak and guilty and faithful, ignorant, suffering, people who are powerful, people who are deceiving, people who are arrogant, people who are complacent, people who are self-righteous. And the king reveals himself in these encounters just as the people reveal themselves to the king. And so, friends, as we read together this evening. It's a very simple, uh, a very simple key, a simple aid is to ask us this. When I look at King David here, how does he shine a light on the Lord Jesus Christ and what happened to him and what he did? But when I see these people that David is speaking to and who speak to David, how do these people shine a light on me? Where am I with the king? Who am I like in this story? So let's hear God's word together. 2 Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to read from verse 13 to the end of the chapter. And a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom, David's son. Then David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us quickly, and bring down ruin on us, bring down evil on us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king decides. So the king went out and all his household after him. And the king left ten concubines to keep the house. And the king went out and all the people after him, and they halted at the last house. And all his servants passed by him. And all the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and all the 600 Gittites who had followed him from Gath passed on before the king. I wonder if you saw this just yesterday, if you had your television on. It's exactly what we saw, isn't it? All the king's men parading before him. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why do you also go with us? Go back and stay with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your home. You came only yesterday 
And shall I today make you wander about with us, since I go I know not where? No, go back and take your brothers with you, and may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. But Ittai answered the king, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king shall be, whether for death or for life, there also will your servant be. And David said to Ittai, Go then, pass on. And so Ittai the Gittite passed on with all his men and all the little ones who were with him. And all the land wept aloud as all the people passed by. And the king crossed the brook Kidron. And all the people passed on toward the wilderness. And Abiathar came up and behold Zadok came also with all the Levites bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God until the people had all passed out of the city. Then the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back. And let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. And the king also said to Zadok the priest, are you not a seer? Go back to the city in peace with your two sons, Ahimaaz your son and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. And see, I will wait at the fords of the wilderness until the word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem and they remained there. But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads, and they went up, weeping as they went. And it was told David, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. While David was coming to the summit where God was worshipped, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat torn and dirt on his head. David said to him, If you go on with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I have been your father's servant in time past, so now I will be your servant. If you do that, then you will defeat for me the counsel of Ahithophel. Are not Zadok and Abiathar the priests with you there? So whatever you hear from the king's house, tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Behold, their two sons are with them there, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city just as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. Amen. Well, let's take up our Bibles again, Second Samuel chapter 16. And down to verse 14, there are three more encounters with the king. Who comes next? Ziba. When David had passed a little beyond the summit, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him. And we have met Ziba before, Second Samuel chapter 9, Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, Ziba the man charged with caring for him, looking after him, met David with a couple of donkeys saddled bearing 200 loaves of bread, a hundred bunches of raisins, a hundred of summer fruits and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, why have you brought these? 
Ziba answered, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit are for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who faint in the wilderness to drink. Seems too good to be true, doesn't it? The king said, And where is your master's son? Ziba said to the king, Behold, he remains in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. Then the king said to Ziba, Behold, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. And Ziba said, I pay homage. Let me ever find favor in your sight, my lord the king. When King David came to Baharim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. And so David and his men went on the road while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, and threw stones at him, and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. And there he refreshed himself. Amen. So, here they are. Six different encounters. Ittai, the soldier who stayed with David. Zadok and Abiathar, the priests who served David. Hushai, the man who befriended David. Ziba, the man with all the food who bows low. I pay homage to you, O king. In fact, is the man manipulating David, trying to deceive the king. Shimei, the man who cursed the king. And Abishai, the man who failed the king. We're not going to look at all these six uh, individuals, these six encounters in detail. We're not going to look at them in the same way. But I want to just do two things for us this evening. I want to introduce you to them very briefly. Uh, they've become like friends to me the last couple of weeks. But I know they're sitting like strangers on a page to you, aren't they? You're trying to remember who they are and taking all the details about them. I want to introduce them to you very briefly. And then I want us to stand back, more importantly, stand back and ask ourselves where we are here in relation to these six encounters and who we're like. 
and I want to show us why it matters. Number one, Ittai. Go back to chapter 15, the middle of chapter 15. Look at Ittai, the soldier who stayed. I think I can show you how briefly we're going to, going to do this moving through. Like, like I said, this, this is a, a passing out parade, just like you saw yesterday, the soldiers in all their finery. But instead of an enthronement, this is going in the opposite direction. This is a surrender. And everybody is weeping as the great men of the kingdom line up. The king is about to flee for his life. And all the troops line up in front of him. And just like yesterday, we're meant to feel the emotion in the air. Look at verse 19. They all pass by. And it's as if in verse 19, it's as if David spots this one particular soldier. We don't know why particularly, but there's maybe something about him that makes him stand out. Maybe it's verse 20. You came only yesterday. It's like David is saying to him, look, you're, you're, you're last in. You should be first out. First to run, first to be given leave to go. You don't have to do this. See, here's the point. Ittai is a foreigner. He's not an Israelite. He's from Gath, the Philistine city. And that means that Ittai is already in exile. So, so all the commentators point out that if Ittai now leaves with David, he would become an exile from his exile. He'd become a double exile. In other words, double the shame, double the misfortune. And so David blesses him, doesn't he? Verse 21, when Ittai says, no, I, I will not leave. What does David say? Verse 20, go back. Take your brothers with you and may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. God's covenant love and faithfulness. Psalm 23, goodness and mercy shall follow you, David says, all the days of your life. May they follow you. Leave me. Let the Lord follow you. You go with the Lord. It's it's Psalm 23, isn't it? And Ittai says, no, I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. It I answered the king as the Lord lives. And as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, there also will your servant be. In, in good days and bad days, David, look on your right hand. I will be there. I will not leave you. Friends, Ittai is the disciple who stayed. The disciple who stayed. You know, I hope this evening you're comfortable learning about friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ from the Old Testament, as much as the New Testament. Remember, David here is shining a light on Jesus, and Ittai is shining a light on us. Friendship with the king looks like faithfulness to the king. Friendship with Jesus looks like never wanting to be without him, never wanting to leave his side. Is that me? Is that you this evening? We're going to come back to this. Here's here's the second two individuals. You see them next, Abiathar and Zadok, the priests. These are men who served David. And let's take Hushai with them, the man who comes next. Hushai is the man who befriended David. 
Abiathar and Zadok served David because they were priests. And we want to say that Hushai is the man who befriended David because that's exactly what the text calls him, doesn't it? Verse 37, Hushai, David's friend, came into the city just as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. Right at the heart of this with Abiathar and Zadok is the Ark of the Covenant, isn't it? The, the, the symbol of God's presence with the people, the golden chest containing the law and the mercy seat. The ark is the sign of God's presence with his people. And these priests think that if the king is leaving, the ark must leave. No, says David. It, the, the ark is not like a, a rabbit's foot. It's not a special charm or a token. It's not a case that if you have the ark, you have God's favor. No, you need God's favor first. I'm not taking the ark with me without knowing that God is with me, says David. These are men who serve David. Go back. Ittai stays. Abiathar and Zadok go back. And look at Hushai. There's a lovely thing to see about him, David's friend. Just, just notice what David prays in verse 31. And it was told David, Ahitophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now look at this. While David was coming to the summit where God was worshipped, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat torn and dirt on his head. And David said to him, If you go on with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city, you will be able to defeat Ahithophel. You will be able to turn his counsel against me into a counsel of foolishness. You, you see what happens? David prays in verse 31, Lord, please frustrate Ahithophel. And immediately coming into view is the very answer to his prayer. Hushai arrives. The answer to David's prayer appears immediately. It's a lovely picture, isn't it? Friendship to the king will make you an answer to prayer. Have you ever thought about that? That if you, if you love the king and if you want to be a friend to the king, if you want to be near him, it is very, very likely, friends, that the king will use you to be an answer to prayer. I wonder how many times that's happened. You've lifted the phone, you've called somebody, you've written, you've popped in, you've said something, you've done something. And as you did it, you did not realize that because you were doing that out of love for the king, you were actually being used by him as an answer to prayer. It's exactly what happens to Hushai, isn't it? In chapter 15, then, we have these three positive encounters with the king. And then we come to chapter 16, three negative encounters. This man, Ziba, he, he appears to be on David's side. It, it probably sounds strange to you, I guess, me saying that Ziba here is a manipulator and a, and a deceiver. You need to cheat. You need to flick forward to chapter 19. Uh, cha you don't need to do it now. We'll come to it in time. But chapter 19, verse 24 to 30, shows us Ziba's true colors. This is all stage play. It's all theatrics to get David on his side. Ziba was Saul's servant from chapter 9. He's Saul's man who David put in charge of Mephibosheth's house. And so Ziba is here to say to David, look, you really need to know, David, that Mephibosheth thinks Absalom coming into Jerusalem is the best news he's heard in a long time. 
You might have been kind to Mephibosheth, but his loyalties lie with Saul. Actually, Ziba is lying. He's deceiving David. Chapter 16, verse 4, I pay homage. Imagine him just bowing low before him. Let me ever find favor in your sight, my lord, the king. No, he doesn't love him. He wants to use him, to deceive him. Look at Shimei next, this man throwing rocks and stones and dust on David, cursing him. Do you, do you notice in the Shimei story, twice David is called King David. King David. Yes, he's flawed. Yes, he's broken. Yes, he has brought this on himself, but he is God's king. And this supporter of the false king, Saul, the the rejected king, this supporter of the rejected king is cursing the true king. Isn't that always what happens, friends? The allies of people outside the kingdom will always curse the true king. The true king will always be cursed. Always. And so what do you do when they are cursed? How should we respond How should we respond? Abishai gets it wrong. What what do we want to do? Get out the sword. I've had enough of this. I'm not listening to this. You don't have to to listen to this, David. Off with his head. That, That stops the complaining pretty quickly. Do that and the cursing will stop, right? Wrong, says David. No. Friends, I want to try and pull all of this together, these six encounters. I want to make a number of observations and applications for us. Number one, from these six encounters, notice the diversity of discipleship. Notice the diversity of discipleship. Friends, if the Lord Jesus Christ were in this room tonight and we were each to meet him, his interactions with each of us would be different. It would not be the same because we are not all in the same place with him this evening. Here in this passage, there are friends and enemies. And there are different types of friends and there are different types of enemies. That there are friends who stay and there are friends who go. And there are enemies who look like friends but are there to manipulate and deceive. And there are enemies who just outright hate and betray. Remember the parable of the soils? What did the Lord Jesus say? A sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some, some seed fell on, what? Four different types of soil. Some rejected straight away. Some said, this is interesting. I want to know more. And soon they were gone. And some showed every sign of promise and hope and growing. And then they too were gone and only one type of soil or a harvest, a good fruit. Friends, there are always, always, always different reactions to God's true king. Sometimes we think, don't we, that if everybody responded the same to the Lord Jesus, that would show that he's real. No, it's the opposite. It's the very fact that people respond differently shows us his truth and his worth. For people are different. Sins are different. There are always different reactions to God's true king. Do not let it discourage you or surprise you. But friends, do let it this evening warn you. Brothers and sisters, at the end of time, when all is said and done, 
And at the end, when everything is purified by fire and all our works are revealed for what they truly are, we will all be shown to be in different places on the map with friendship with Jesus. Either close to him and loving him or far from him and hating him. Serving him or betraying him. It was always so in the kingdom. Always. This is how the kingdom comes. I want you just to turn forward in your Bible. Second Timothy. Keep, keep a finger in Second Samuel. Obviously we're going to come back to it. But just turn forward. Page 996. 996. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. Just in case we think what David is encountering here is somehow removed from us, different from us, it's not. Listen, Listen to Paul at the end of his life. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. We don't know why. We don't know on good terms and bad terms. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Who are you, friends? Who am I this evening in God's kingdom? Every single Sunday, week by week, it is a moment simply for us to say, where am I today? with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not where was I when I was 13 or 14 or three years ago or five years ago. Where am I today with him? Don't assume that some of us won't turn out to be betrayers by the end. It's true, isn't it? One of the most painful realities in gospel ministry is the betrayals of ministry. The people that you thought were on your side, in fact, mobilizing to serve their own side and their own ends. Ziba here, it happens. Ahitophel who betrays the king. Ziba who manipulates and deceives for his own selfish gain. Who will we be at the end? Number one, notice the diversity of discipleship. Number two, see the pattern of discipleship. Not just the diversity, see the pattern of discipleship. Friends, Ittai the Gittite is a beautiful, beautiful picture, isn't it? There is a pattern in the Bible that model disciples tend to become so by starting at the farthest possible reach. They start furthest out from the kingdom. Ittai is a Gentile, not not a Jew. He's a foreigner. And he's not just a Gentile, but he's a Philistine Gentile. Philistines. And yet he is a model disciple. 
Friends, be very careful of ever assuming that that people who right now at this moment are the furthest from the kingdom could not end up one day right at the heart of the kingdom. Be very careful in assuming that people that look like now they're right at the heart of the kingdom one day might not end up showing they belong on the furthest extremities of the kingdom. Oh, people go in opposite directions all the time, don't they? And who are we this evening but Gittites, Parathites, Philistines, aren't we? We're not Jewish in ethnic origin, most of us, I guess. We are outsiders brought inside. Oh, never assume you have to be a certain type of person, a certain race, a certain ethnicity, a certain gender, a certain social class to come close to Christ. No. Never assume you're not good enough for Jesus or not the right type of person for Jesus. Do you love him? Do you love him? That's all. Do do you want to stay with him? That's all you need. Parents, be very careful, parents, of crushing the prodigal son and elevating the elder son for sometimes gospel grace can grow spectacularly. It can grow spectacularly in prodigal soil. Sometimes the gospel grows stubbornly in Pharisee soil. The diversity of discipleship, the pattern of discipleship, Number three, the activity of discipleship. I want you just to notice with Abiathar and Zadok and Hushai, do not confuse faithfulness with fatalism. Don't confuse sovereignty with lack of strategy. Do you see that? Abiathar and Zadok and Hushai, do you see what the king can do? The king can let one disciple stay with him, Ittai, And he can make three other disciples go back to Jerusalem because he knows they will be useful to him in Jerusalem. Just look at chapter 15, verse 27. Chapter 15, verse 27. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Go back to the city in peace with your two sons, Ahimaaz your son and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. I will wait at the fords of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. And so Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem. I need men on the inside, David is saying. Yes, I'm leaving. Yes, this is all in God's hands. I'm entrusting myself to God's favor. Isn't that what he's saying? And yet, he does not confuse faithfulness with fatalism. No, he entrusts himself to God completely. And he says, let's work for the best possible outcome here. Let's see what we can do. It does exactly the same with Hushai, doesn't it? You go back to and see if you can skillfully turn Ahithophel against himself. Friends, some people think that if God is sovereign, if we believe in a sovereign God, then que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Some people confuse sovereignty with saying we should sit back and do nothing. God wants people to come, he'll bring them. If God wants us to do this, he'll do it. Let go and let God. No, look what David is doing. Fleeing for his life, trusting in God's favor and grace, and saying, let's get to work, men. Let's see what we can do. Let's let's put things in place. 
I want to ask you this evening, does God's faithfulness and God's sovereignty, if you say you believe those things, does God's faithfulness and God's sovereignty make you lazy or active? I read a lovely thing recently. Somebody said that the, the, the prayer of the Christian, the prayer of the Christian life should be Jesus is Lord Geronimo. We, we trust him, so let's work. Let, let's do what we can. Let's get to work and see what God will do with our faithfulness as we serve him. The activity of discipleship. Here, here's the last point, number four. I want to finish with this. The grace of discipleship. The grace of discipleship. Friends, never forget that your reaction to the king shows your reaction to God's grace. Isn't that true? Where, where people are with Christ always reveals what they understand about grace. What you make of God's king shows what you understand of his grace. See, look at Shimei, chapter 16, the man who curses. Do you know what he's doing? Shimei is working with the world's currency. And he's working and operating with the economics of the false king's world, Saul's world. Do you know what the economics of the world are? You get what you deserve. If you've shed blood, then you deserve blood on your head. If you've done wrong, you deserve wrong heaped on your house. If you've ruined a house, your house should be ruined. That's the world, isn't it? You get what you deserve. Karma comes around, what, what you sow you will reap, it all comes round on your head. The, the irony here, chapter 16, verse 8, the irony is that he's right and wrong. He, he gets the blood wrong, but he's right that there is blood on David's hands. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. See, Shimei thinks David has played a part in bringing down Saul's house, killing Saul. But, but he hasn't. This is a rumor that's been spreading that David was involved in Saul's death. No, but David is guilty of blood, isn't he? Not the blood that Shimei thinks, but David knows he's guilty. The blood of Uriah. He has done the kind of thing Shimei is cursing him for, but not in the way that Shimei thinks. So I think, friends, that's why David says to Abishai, put your sword away. Put your sword away. Look, David says to him, there is truth in what this man is saying. My own son wants, wants me dead. I have brought ruin on my household. But, friends, look at this table this evening. Look at what we're about to do together. Shimei does not understand grace. He does not understand grace, does he? If you've done evil, you deserve evil. If you've done good, then you deserve good. That's the economics of the world, right? Good things should happen to good people. Brothers and sisters, what are the economics of this table? What is the currency of this table? We're here to eat and drink because good things happen to bad people. Right? 
What God pays out to us is not what we deserve. What God gives to us is not what we have earned. What he feeds us with is not what we came looking for and not what we gave to him. I want you just to look at verse 12. Chapter 16, verse 12. Leave him alone. Let him curse for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So so look, David knows that even if Shimei's cursing is correct, let's say if he is guilty of bloodshed, God can repay that cursing with good. And in fact, friends, in your Bible, if you're using the church Bible, you will see a little footnote that says, it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. Or, in fact, many commentators believe the best translation is this, the Lord will look on my iniquity and repay me with good. Isn't that astonishing? Many commentators believe that is the most authentic, original rendering of the text. The Lord will look on my iniquity and repay me with good. And the fact that it's been changed to be, will look on my affliction is because people think, hang on, that that cannot be right. That the Lord will look on my iniquity and repay me with good? No, 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 that, that can't be true. That the Lord will look on all my transgressions, all my sins, all my iniquities, or, or maybe even just all my afflictions and repay me with good? That can't be right. Until you realize, friends, it has to be right, doesn't it? It has to be right, for this is what this table is. It's what the gospel is, brothers and sisters. That This is what the Lord does. He looks on our sin and repays us with righteousness. He looks on our evil and repays it with good. David's sin and transgressions ruined his house, didn't they? Ruined his house, and yet his house was never built on his good behavior, was was it? No, his house was built on God's gracious promise that the throne would never leave his line. Ah, you see, the reason God can repay us good for our sin is because he has instead repaid our sin to the one good man in the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was innocent and whole and pure, but God charged our sins to his account. He deserved to live, but God repaid his perfect life with death, the penalty of sin. This terrible image that we saw last week, the king's darkest day, chapter 15, verse 30. But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went barefoot and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and they went up weeping as they went. It is an advanced picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Climbing the Mount of Olives alone, forsaken, but pure innocent, so unlike David, so deserving of nothing but life, eternal life. Instead, exchanging all that was right and good and true, all that he was, as the true king, the second Adam, the last man, taking unto himself all that 
every other king, all that every other human being who belongs to him has ever done. Oh, so that this incredible exchange, this great swap might take place. That for our iniquity, he might repay us with good. For our sins, he might repay us with forgiveness and grace and feed us here at this his table. So let's worship him together. We're going to sing about that ascent up the hill. Come and see. Come and see the king of love. See the purple robe and crown of thorns he he wears. Soldiers mock, rulers sneer as he lifts the cruel cross. Lone and friendless now, he climbs towards the hill.